Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. I'm Emma. What can I get you? And I'm the Dean of Dottie's Uni. And I'm just saying no! No! To Dottie and her drugs, Connor. So, what we got coming up this week, Emma? We have your last EastEnders roundup as the show takes its break. <laughs> Why? Don't worry, we are still going to be here every week unlike them. But this week, for the final time, we will discuss everything from Potty to our new owners of the Vic. But first, here's the jingle. Dun, 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 dun. You ain't my mother! Yes, I am! Get out of my pub! You need a slapping den! You bitch! You cow! Look at your coat. Hello, princess. Frank! Puppies in the fridge. Sausage surprise! Hope, Hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the fireworks. fireworks. Good, Good night. night! So now, <laughs> it's time, Abba. We never thought this day would come. We didn't. We genuinely didn't. <laughs> it's just tragic. It is the end of EastEnders. I can't believe it. Well, what an ending. Oh. That cliffhanger. It was like a proper series ending where you're waiting for like a whole yeah until you go and get yes. your next series and you're like but what happens next <laughs> it's that kind of series cliffhanger where you're like literally ripping the walls up to see what happened like did they survive <laughs> like it's like that isn't it if this was to be the actual canonical end of eastenders like what a perfect way for it to to finish obviously we know it's not completely finished but because it's the end of an era mm. what a perfect way for it to end with sharon in the pub again so unlike eastenders we're not taking a break. We're no. going to be here. Every We're week. Crafters. We are. <laughs> we are. We will be doing our Red Water Roundup next week. Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Father, Father Dominic slash Dermot. <laughs> How many times will we accidentally call him Dominic, though? Oh, all the time. We should start a game where like people like call in or something to tell how many times we've said that, that <laughs> yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a little thing where we just record the name Dermot. So when I'm editing, I'll just shove it in if we've said Dominic. <laughs> Dermot. <laughs> It'd be like Kathy's important breakfast. <laughs> Dermot. Breakfast. Dermot is important. <laughs> so what we want you to do. So every two weeks, we are going to do an episode of Redwater. And in between, we'll be chatting about the two classic episodes of EastEnders. So next week will be Redwater, week after will be classic episodes, and so on. And the six episodes of Redwater. So we want you to watch it with us, so you can join in. So you can watch it on Netflix, or BritBox, or if you fancy it, order the DVD. I mean, it's a treat, so I would. <laughs> <laughs> and we want you to share your thoughts with us on the episodes. And yeah. we will read out your thoughts in our podcast. So you can do that on Twitter, which is at E20Podcast, or on Instagram, at E20 underscore podcast. And we'll we'll be putting out posts, so yeah. you'll know and you can comment on there. Or you can even email us, E20Podcast yeah. at Outlook.com. We'll have a new jingle. We're going to update our Twitter heading. <laughs> it's all yeah, exciting everything. stuff. It's all changing. We're going through changes. <laughs> 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 Whoa, here she comes. Watch, Watch out, boy, she'll cheer you up. Whoa, here she comes. She's a man-eater and a drug dealer. <laughs> That's right, it's Dottie, or should we call it 
potty week. <laughs> oh, potty. <laughs> There's a lot of Dotty and a, a lot of Peter, so we're going to call them potty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we're going to kick off with this storyline. And we're better to kick it off than the cafe. That Kathy's Cafe seems to be the place that all the stories originate. And, <laughs> you know, we got all the really important goss. You know, Martin kissing up to Ian, or at least Ian thought he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was important. We also got the goss that, uh, you know, Stuart really, that's fine. That's over now with uh, the whole trying to get money out of Max. They don't care about that. That story sailed into the distance. I loved and- it. I, oh, I, I loved that. how it was like just in that scene, just like, no, right, that's done. We're just going to get rid of that. Bye, Habiba. <laughs> but the most important, the most important piece of interesting gossip we got, Dottie likes her coffee black. Just like her soul. Yep. She likes that coffee like she likes her arteries, black and carotid. And since she's got nothing else going on other than drug dealing by night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's free in the day. <laughs> she's free in the day to have lots of black coffees and, you know, Threaten Ian. <laughs> Those threats are getting on my last nerve. I love it. She just goes up to him every now and again. She goes, I'll tell Sharon. Tell her what? You have no evidence. <laughs> exactly. It's, I'll tell Sharon, Ian. And then she doesn't. And then she'll be like, it's not the right time. I won't tell her now. Why are you blackmailing him then? Like, what's the point? What's the point if you're just going to say, I'm not going to do it? What's the point? <laughs> By saying that, Dottie, you have basically allowed Ian to know you will not tell <laughs> You gave Ian enough time to go and destroy your evidence. I love it. Why did you not just act upon it? Right? Why did she have to wait all that time? Now, now she has no evidence. What is the point? Now she can't even blackmail, yet she's still trying. <laughs> and I'm like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, because she's got nothing else on there, threatening Ian casually and, you know, a bit of drug dealing here and there, Sonia thinks... I'm going to volunteer her for some work. Yeah. Because <laughs> Peter, the guy who suddenly got a job at the, you know, the car lot, because they don't need any checks. They don't need no. interviews or anything. And when That's Jay's just... around, Jay just hires you anywhere. It's fine. Exactly. And that all, let's just cut all that red tape away. Let's get rid of all that red tape that, you know, stops crazy people from joining your, your places of work. Let's, let's get rid of all that. And let's just hire randoms. I think you find Peter's not a random to Jay. They're best friends. Oh, true. How could we all forget? How could we forget those great times? Remember oh, all those good memories? It's good times. Yeah. It's good times. Good old days. So Peter's got a job and uh, there's only one girl, that you know, in the, the entire world, the entire square. There's only one person who's going to ask. Because why go to someone like Phil, who has worked with cars his entire life? Why go to someone like Ben, who literally owns the, yeah. you know, the car lot, the archers? <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and, and and why not actually hire someone professionally? Why not just, you know, hire Dottie? Why not? Why not, eh? Well, she originally said no. Mm. Then Peter's like, you're pathetic. I love that. Why was everyone saying that as well? You're pathetic. You're pathetic. She only accepts the job later because she's just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that for Peter. No. But after she sees Ian... She changes her mind. She's like, uh, I will. I will. I wonder if it's also a bit of Son being like in the background without us, without us saying it like Son. You're going, listen, the rent's due, love. The rent's due. <laughs> Get you your know, backside out that door. <laughs> for fine fact, that's why she's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dottie, you'll volunteer. 
<laughs> I need her to pay my rent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because suddenly Sonia's dirt poor. Like, Sonia's like stealing from everyone. <laughs> I wonder if Sonia actually just gets everyone else to pay for everything. So that's why she stole from Dot. So she thought, yeah. I don't have to use my money. I can have a nice fancy holiday later in the year. Well, not that's anymore, idea, but actually. you know. Yeah. I'll get Dottie to pay the rent. If Whitney could do the shopping, that would be great. And yeah, I could probably afford another holiday. Yeah, she just saves up all her cash. She's actually saved up so she can get a mortgage on a better place. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, the rent's desperate. So Dottie decides she's going to have to go and work for Peter. Even though he thinks she's pathetic and, you know, Ian's a horrible, murderous person to her and, you know, all these other things. She's going to go work for Peter. But it's important, Emma. She'll only work for Peter for double her wage, for double time. And I think, you know, that's only right. It's yeah. only right. Last minute. Um, some expertise. You know, like all these different things, they, they cost money. They cost a lot of money. £50, to be precise. A lot of money. A lot of money. Not be scoffed at. Not be scoffed at. £50. And, and what was she paid that £50 for, you may ask? <laughs> Well, we're going to tell you. We're going to tell you. Um, she got there, revved the car's engine for a bit, and seemed to have some sort of like car whisperer moment and was like, you might not be able to hear that, but the car's not well. <laughs> I think he knows that. <laughs> the car's angry. It doesn't like the colour. And it hates your hair. Like, I felt like that's what she was given. Because she went, can you not hear that clicking? Nah, nah, no one can. <laughs> Peter's like, no. Takes someone with my ears to hear that. Yeah, do you think Dottie's just making it up? There's actually nothing <laughs> wrong with the car. She figured that out earlier, but she's like, I need my double time. I'm going to get 50 quid out of him. <laughs> yeah, how much does she actually get paid? Yeah, seriously, if she's doing for double time, she might as well make some things up because she clearly isn't getting paid much. <laughs> I mean, if you ever went to a garage or anything like that, they went... Yeah, all that, um, change of tyres, fixing up the engine, that'll be £10, please. <laughs> like, is this toy town? Like, are they all paying in Monopoly money? <laughs> that'll be 50 Monopoly dollars, please. <laughs> as soon as the past school, yeah. get their money, they get their double is time. That, did Phil get out of jail with that get out of jail yeah. card? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to arrest him, guys. Going to arrest him. He's got the get out of jail. Oh, that's how Dot won all that money. She must have passed go. <laughs> exactly. Every time you pass go, you get double time. Yeah. Same. So she did somehow fix his car. I don't know if she did that with some sort of herbal remedies or some <laughs> sacred uh, mechanic magic. You know, <laughs> like, she started rubbing her hands together. Yeah. Healing hands. hands. Healing hands. <laughs> Put some cream on. Yes. <laughs> you might not be able to hear the clicking, Peter, but it's getting, getting way more quieter. <laughs> I love Dexter's giving us like Derek Akura vibes. <laughs> the, car is ang- the car is angry. But don't worry. Because we, we will talk things through. You'll be right as rain. It'll all be better. Telling me her name is Lucy. <laughs> Oh, and she's she's saying yes, Patches. What's that? She's a fan. 
Satan. Satan of who killed Lucy? <laughs> who killed Lucy? Not the episodes. No, no. The musical. <laughs> I just love it. It was just giving me life, that whole scene. That entire scene was just... <laughs> yeah, the clicking. No. no. Uh, so you don't have the e- <laughs> You don't have the gift. <laughs> just like, you know, a mechanical Jesus. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't have like a little fake thing that she was just clicking, making the noise. <laughs> She's got like a mouse. It's like, can you hear the clicking? hear it see <laughs> told you <laughs> i also have another theory that actually she's just completely delusional <laughs> all, all that time sniffing gas <laughs> can you hear that clicking no no one can Dottie. no one can <laughs> so after all this they have a lovely little chat about Dottie's life back at home what what was it like did she enjoy it? Well, she used to race around the lanes. <laughs> there wasn't much to do in the country, apart from stealing cars and drinking cider. I mean, you know, whenever I think of the countryside, I don't see fields of green and, you know, horizons that stretch on forever. Red roses too. <laughs> do you know how I see the countryside, Emma? When I think about it, I see... Burnt out cars, I see Grand Theft Auto, a little bit of drink here and there, drinking on the streets with your mates at 10 o'clock at night when you're like 13. That's what I see. That's what I imagine. <laughs> Perfect. Wonderful times. For some bizarre reason, <laughs> Peter enjoyed that story so much <laughs> that he thought, well, hey, and he, he lent in for the kiss. Well, I also did love how Pierre goes, did you miss it? <laughs> <laughs> did you miss the car thefts and the, <laughs> the car thefts and the drinking cider when you were 12? Like, you know, you can do that here too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that antisocial disorders and antisocial behaviour is something that you miss. <laughs> 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 so, yes. Basically, Pierre thought, I love a woman who can steal a car and drink a whole litre of cider by herself. Um, and lent in, smooched her face. Um, I can only tell you that I didn't sleep for a week after that. No, um, it was horrifying. I feel like this isn't Peter. I feel like this isn't Peter Beale. No, it's not. It is the creepiest thing I have ever seen. He is way too old for Dottie. Way too old. Yeah, so Peter is, what, 26, 27. Dottie, we are still convinced to this day she has been aged up because she yeah. was the same age as Tiff and Bobby, so that would yeah. make her 17. She now claims yes. she's 19. Like, what do they have in common? They both don't like the same things. Like, that's <laughs> the only thing they have in common. They just don't like liars. Oh, that's true. The one thing they have in common. The but mind thing. you, both of them lie. Yeah. Hypocrites? I just think that's another one. Yeah. Like, hypocrites. Yeah, they love being hypocrites. Got that in common. <laughs> Watching him discuss things with that is like creepy as out. He's like, well, did you miss it? Oh, yeah. Like, you're 27. Get yourself a girlfriend your own age. Creepy. 
Like he literally has a family back in New Zealand. He has a kid. <laughs> oh, but really? you know, Peter just forgot about that now. Yeah. He doesn't that care. So yes, we're not fans of Potty if you have a guest. <laughs> so Dottie does a runner to Ruby's after this and just in time for Ruby to walk around the corner. How convenient. Convenient, isn't it? So convenient. I was expecting that to have ordered something and then Ruby had to deliver it to her. That's oh, what I was expecting. That's how it normally works. Yeah. Oh, is that just her head of security who does that? Oh, yeah, yeah, because that job... That entails that a lot. Is, it, is, it is. It's got a very wide remit. Remit. Yeah. God, I can't speak today. <laughs> remit, doesn't it? It has, like, you know... Looking after the bouncer's needs, managing them. Managing um, the bar. Managing the bar, drinking the bar, turning a blind eye <laughs> to drug dealing. You know, all those jobs are just, just a lot, really, isn't mm. it? So Ruby decides it's the perfect time just to warn her that like, she wants no trouble tonight. She can't just turn a blind eye anymore. So so many times I can hear the word <laughs> blind Honestly, eye. Honestly, that phrase, how many times are going to say it? Just turning a blind eye. Just turning a blind eye. Just turning a blind eye. Isn't there it's a like, difference between turning a blind eye and just full on allowing it? Yes. Turning a blind eye is kind of like, you know, letting maybe something go by. Like say a lie or something that you know's a lie, um, but harmless. And you're just like, okay, we'll just let that slide. Ruby is literally watching as Dottie is dealing drugs in her nightclub. That's a terrible idea. That is enabling drug trafficking and drug dealing. And remember, this is all Max's fault because he saw it and stopped it. How dare he? Mm. I mean, how dare he? How dare the man stop a drug deal? She says he was sticking his oar in. Blokes just can't help themselves, can they? I'm like, Dottie, you were doing drugs and selling. You were drug dealing here. And Max was not okay with that. And you know what? It was right. Yeah, like what universe is she living in? I swear, I'm going with my delusional theory now. I think she lives in a parallel universe or something <laughs> in her head. Where like, you know, all criminal activity is fine. Because one minute she's like, yeah, the good old days where I used to carjack and, you know, drink cider whilst carjacking and riding around the countryside, killing all the old ladies as I ran them over. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, now she's almost trying to rationalise her drug dealing. Yeah, it's just terrible, isn't it, when you're trying to do a business and, you know, you're, you're a hard-working citizen trying to get your business off the ground and then some man comes over <laughs> and sticks us all in and ruins the whole thing. Dottie, you were selling drugs. You were selling drugs. That's a crime. Crime. He was protecting the business as well. Yeah. And Ruby was seeing that as a bad thing, like... But I, I wanted that. the police round. <laughs> Ru- Ruby dumps them for doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. First time in Max's entire life he's been dumped for doing the right thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, whilst Ruby's not willing to turn a blind eye, what she is willing to do is impart a little bit of her Ruby wisdom. Because, I mean, we all go to her when we have our problems. She gives us all the answers, doesn't she? A well of experience and somehow knows everyone and understands all their problems. But, you know, she, you know, they all look out for each other on this square. They do. They do. Always. So, you know, Ruby's the one to go see. 
Ruby said, she'll help you out. You just don't have to look out for your best friend. But as long as you look out for everyone else, that's fine. Of course, of course. Um, you know, who cares about adultery? That's that's completely normal. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what she tells Dottie. Oh, yeah. So she asks Dottie, so what's your bloke done then? And she's like, well, he's not my bloke. It was so weird when Ruby's face lit up at someone else's. Wasn't it? I was like, when did Ruby become malicious? Like, he, I've got someone else's husband too. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Someone else's, you cheeky minx. Yeah, just, you know, adultery is just such a laugh ruining someone's life and home. So Dottie's like, well, I just, I can't like him. I can't like him. Ruby's interrupted by an important phone call. And she gives the great advice. Life's too short if you want something. You should go for it. Yeah, but not your best friend's husband. I did love, like, how she just totally forgets that. Martin didn't really like her to begin with. Um, thought she was a liar. They had nothing in common. She never once turned an eye towards him until Stacey was gone. And, um, you know, all of her history with Stacey just evaporated. I love how she forgot all that. She forgot all of that. Um, also, did Ruby really just use the phrase, life's too blooming short? Like, what is this? YOLO. Life is too short. That's why you shouldn't waste your time doing the wrong things. Life's too short just means go out there and do the things you want to do, but not adultery. Go travelling. That's what they mean by that. They don't mean, uh, right, your best friend's husband's available at the moment. Want to... Jump in bed. <laughs> <laughs> want to go on that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've always wanted to try that. Like, <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'll treat myself. Do you know what I mean? That's like what it's like. Yeah. It's not like... Yeah, go for it. Destroy someone's entire marriage. Woo! I also found it really creepy what she said on the phone when she was like, you know, you can get the sack for talking to your boss like that. I think we need to address your behaviour. My office, now. I was like, this isn't sexy. This isn't flirtatious. This is a creepy power dynamic. Would anyone, and I'm going to put this to you, to everyone listening, would anyone feel that that was playful? That that was just harmless banter if that was Max saying that to her Bieber or if it was Ian saying it to her Bieber. No. Everyone would be like, creep, he's weird, he's too old. Ruby's misusing her position of power over Martin to basically engage in, you know, a bit of foolery. Listen, love, just sleep with the man if you've got to, but don't hire him as a gigolo. That's, That's the thing. Yeah. He's literally hired for this reason. When they were taking the plunge, it meant he left his job. Oh, I hate, I hate that thing. <laughs> he was leaving his job to be working there, knowing fine well that, you know, what it meant. But her version was to dump Max. Yeah. So he's still technically married, but working there to have sex with her while she's just dumped her boyfriend. However, one of my unsolved mysteries, which might be solved now, actually. I'll go on to later. <laughs> We'll go on to later. It was something Mitch said in passing. Mm. And I was like, oh, you might have just solved a mystery that I mentioned last week. I was saying that I hadn't seen a certain someone working there in a while, but it was confirmed that he still works there. There's no confirmation who Ruby was on the phone to. We don't know it was Martin. 
Why just saying that? What <laughs> happened? If it was, we've heard the stories. Billy Mitchell. Well, I mean, we've all heard the stories of Billy Mitchell. <laughs> he can get any woman. <laughs> I love how uh, they talked about that as if we needed to know that information. Also, yeah. how they all knew. <laughs> where, did Mick, where did Mick get that info from? Well, you know, I've heard. Linda? Oh, Linda. <laughs> Was this June one of our drunken <gasps> nights? Linda's been on the Billy train. Yeah. Linda still drinking from the bottle. <laughs> 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 oh, I miss singing that. Not that I wanted to get alcoholism again. <laughs> you know what? Life was just too short and Linda thought, why not? Exactly. So why not jump on the billy train? I love that. Hashtag really. <laughs> <laughs> Booby. <laughs> <laughs> so after giving her sound advice, Dotty thinks Ruby's right. I mean, she's not. She's certainly not Dotty. But, you know, let's go for it. Let's take the plunge. <sighs> so we've got another lovely ship coming. It's docking. It's ready. Dottie's boarding it. She wants Peter. She's uh, in the cafe the next day and decides, yeah, I'm going to go and flirt with him again. Because, you know, mm. after I've run away, after I've kissed him, it's perfect time to really confuse him and go, actually, actually, I do like you. <laughs> it wasn't I mean, like you were a terrible kisser. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Peter, your breath didn't smell. <laughs> <laughs> So she was, I think, in the perfect opportunity is when she's turned on by his flyers. <laughs> you know, those wonderful flyers with his business name on of PBPT. Really catchy, <laughs> really catchy yeah. there, Peter. Really yeah, catchy. that's really catchy. I mean, to me, nothing sexier than um, a PT sesh with uh, <laughs> Peter. Like, literally, nothing's, nothing's, nothing turns me on more. I just think it sounds like some sort of disease. When you read the, the bottom, where it's... The little print at the bottom. The really fine print, yeah, yeah. that says he's not he's not going to be held accountable for any any um, accidents, any harm brought to them. I bet his says, you're going to pay me only to run around the square. Yeah. We'll oh, those lines. Oh. <laughs> Will that be held financially responsible for <laughs> not giving you the proper um, yeah. exercise? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you may not lose any weight. <laughs> You could do this yourself, but I want paid for it. Yes. Really not liable for anything. Really gets gets me all flustered. Oh, oh. oh, working up a sweat. Well, speaking of sweats, apparently there's better ways to work up a sweat. That's what Dottie says to him, doesn't she? What an opening line. As if I've heard that one before. <laughs> so Peter's not having it because he's been offended now. She kissed him and ran away. Yeah. So he turns around and he's like, sorry. You've talked to me. And I didn't think anything of it there. Yeah, but me neither. Dottie's like, no offence, but you need to work on your Robert De Niro impression. So Peter ignores our advances. He's like, no, I'm just saying no. <laughs> <laughs> just saying no. No. Any excuse to break out of that song. Um, you don't have to be part of the crowd. <laughs> Speaking um, of crowds, there wasn't many at that PT session. Did you see who was at the PT session? The forgotten characters of the square. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is the Ahmed's going to turn up in a minute? <laughs> They're back off their cruise. Ted and Wanda's back as well. They've all come for an expert PT sesh. 
I mean, look at Peter's skills, right? I'm just this whole thing made me question why he's even working at the car lot in the first place. Because what are his skills? Sort of not training people in a PT session. How does that get you a job in the car lot? <laughs> Can you tell us a time where you had a really problem solve, solve an issue for a customer? Well, there was this one time that a customer complained about me making them run around the square. And I just told them, that's PT. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Peter and his motley band of long lost characters, they're all getting together, aren't they? They're all trying to get a storyline today. They're all going to get one. They're desperate, they're desperate to get a storyline. Rayleigh's fire to be bastard. She's here. <laughs> they're all here. Jags has just turned up. He's been gone for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh look there's Arch <laughs> like they're all here for their PT sesh literally when they turned um, up it was like e, where you been I know. I know just before we get into his PT sesh I have to outline the serious nature of everything um, he's an expert you know Emma he's a master really a master of personal training you know he studied under the greatest before he came here he travelled the world studying PT sessions so naturally, the first thing he does is, yeah, four PE stretches. <laughs> Come on, guys. I was expecting them to be like, like, let's do some jumping jacks. Yeah. <laughs> just pretend you're stretching. Yeah. Put your arms to the side. Yeah, that's done it. That's worked out those, <laughs> those muscles. That's right. Right, we're ready. Um, <laughs> done. <laughs> I half expect them literally to go, that's it for today. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently not. They're going for a jog, aren't they? Oh, the classic. They're going yeah. for a jog around the square. Yay! I guess he's coming along. Dottie's not gave up on her flirting. I did love it because they literally just did a jog around the square. And five minutes later, Dottie was puffing and panting as if she had just done like the marathon. <laughs> so yes, uh, Dottie either has asthma or that PT sesh was, uh, <laughs> was quite the workout. And to soothe her, to, you know, make sure she's not dying or anything. Peter goes over and he's like, you've worked up a bit of a sweat. Oh, there's that lovely porn, porn <laughs> film playing again. <laughs> You'll know what's going to happen now. <laughs> I don't know what music I'm doing. Like, clearly, like, I've never watched pornography. <laughs> clearly, I'm from, like, you know, the 1970s of porn. Porn, <laughs> We have like it's all about that bass, about that bass. <laughs> <laughs> my anaconda don't. don't. My anaconda <laughs> don't. I think Paul would be more exciting if you had that kind of music in. <laughs> Could I have that on to pre tricks or something? Couldn't you? <laughs> what about my humps, my humps, my humps, my humps. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> Welcome round. I've got the pre drinks playlist on. <laughs> A pinch of pony time. <laughs> so, Peter, after checking her out, you know, both examining her body from a physical, medical perspective and making sure she's not dying. I would like to think um, so. I like to think it was for medical reasons. Well, I hope so. But he did also stare at her bum for quite some time when she was working on that car. That was creepy. Creepy. Creepy ass. I mean, come on. We do not... We do not endorse that sort of behaviour. That sort of behaviour is like wolf whistling someone on the streets. It is, actually. But Dottie still likes them. She is like, 
I didn't like him. Now I do. Next week, she's like, I'm marrying him. I'm marrying him. We're getting married. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna get a white picket fence, a dog, three children. (laughs) That won't be ours. We'll just steal them. (laughs) I used to do it with cars. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. Like, and then just, you know, put his, put his worries at ease. She's like, don't worry, Peter. I didn't run away because I didn't like the kiss. It wasn't like you had bad breath or your teeth were falling out. It wasn't anything like that. I was just scared. <laughs> it was that like quintessential soap line, wasn't it? Where I was the like, classic. it was just complicated. He invites her for a drink or an IV drip. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, I should have knew it was coming from the line earlier. Mm. Possibly one of the worst scenes that is now ingrained in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> are you talking to me and i was like what the hell is that i feel like it's a natural i know i was like what has just happened i was just like is peter all right <laughs> i, I kind of just looked at it and thought oh peter's auditioning to be on a20's fan fiction that makes more That's sense what he's doing don't talk to me <laughs> Peter, you know what? You're invited on. You can take over some roles. It gives us a bit of a breather. Yeah, just a breather. <laughs> I mean, we're terrible He's impressions, definitely. but that, that was something. That was that something was he gave us. Yeah. Mm. We know we're bad. I feel like he thought he did a good job. <laughs> yeah, that was... He did like the dad joke humour, yeah. isn't it? You know, the dad laughs at his own joke. That's the vibe I got. I got that all the way through that entire episode, I have to be honest, where the, like all the little jokes between him and Dottie, I was just like... Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm, I'm uncomfortable. It is just weird. He's like 27 and he's like trying to pick up a 17-year-old. So the vibe I get, when you're saying dad joke, is it is. It's like because he's 10 years he's older, he's like trying to speak to the kids and be yes. He's like, <laughs> I'm trying to be cool like you at With your age. Don't you find my jokes funny, kids? Like, that's what it's like, isn't it? <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah, so Crime Watch, if you're listening, um, Peter Beale. <laughs> Peter Beale, you should give him a look. <laughs> yeah, his brother on your record. You're all right. You'll find yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's already on their watch lists. Murdered sister. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> from there, they basically decide, let's take the plunge. No let's more take... plunging. I know, I know. Just get a plumber. <laughs> 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 Honestly, like, this is the weirdest thing ever. But I feel like Ian was kind of like, Ian was speaking for us, almost like a medium speaks for, like, ghosts. He was, Cause actually. Just... Because the next day, when they're, like, love texting or sexting or whatever the heck they're doing, they're like, oh, 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 I love you so much. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever she's sending. You know what I feel like? Because he's trying to be cool. He's sending some really odd memes that he thinks she's going to laugh oh, at. You know, yeah. when you get to a certain age, you're like, do people think these are funny anymore? Yes. You're yes. not quite sure what the jokes are. That's what he's doing. So he's probably yes. sending those lolcats from all those years ago. I can't imagine that he is. 
Yeah, I bet you're sending that cheeseburger one. Oh, the scumbag one. The scumbag guy dressed with all that, like Burberry. I bet he's like, funny. funny. Yeah, I actually do see that as his humour. Thankfully, though, Ian's had to put a stop to that, isn't he, Emma? Well, the poor man had to witness them kissing for a start. I can only say um, our deepest sympathies and condolences go out to Ian's mind because uh, I'm fairly certain he probably lost it upon seeing that. Our thoughts are with you now. thoughts are with him. But the first first phrase out of Ian's head was basically the same one that was in mine and Emma's. Why her? <laughs> <laughs> and he rightly reminds Peter that everyone knows what Dottie Cotton is like. Mm. To which... <laughs> she taught him the other day. I was <laughs> carjacking the other week. <laughs> yeah. To which Peter was like, no. I thought that, but she's different. Didn't she just tell you the other day she was stealing cars? cars. Um, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you knew that she gave drugs to Bobby. Yes, he confronted her and was like, I never want you around my family again. Uh, Except now. <laughs> Except now. Except now when he's suddenly possessed by, like, you know, some evil spirit. <laughs> <laughs> They're chatting about this whole scenario. They're thinking about how they're going to tell Bobby. Well, that's the perfect time for Bobby to walk in. Mm. And hear the whole thing. <laughs> Classic EastEnders. I loved it when Ian turned around and was like, Peter kissed Dottie last night. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> he totally did it, Denise. Well, well. You know what it reminded me of? In our fan fiction where we used to throw Haley under the bus all the time. Yes! That was Ian. It's all Peter's fault. <laughs> I did love Peter's reaction when obviously Bobby was distraught because it's like Crush is basically kissing and potentially sleeping with his brother. Which like, Peter knows. Peter knows how much Bobby fancied her. Do you remember? He was like his wingman. He was like yeah. his wingman at that night out at Ruby's where Dottie was selling her drugs and Bobby was trying to take some drugs to impress her. You know, that good old times. Um yeah, he was like his wingman. He's like, don't worry, mate, I'm here with you. Like, you know, all that stuff. Like, all that, like, macho straight man stuff. All I, I want no for them two is for them two to sit and have a conversation. Why are Bobby and Peter still not talking about Lucy's death yet? Why has this not happened? Why did that not happen at Easter? No, instead, they're just going to do this storyline where <laughs> Peter and Bobby are in a love triangle with Dottie Cotton. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I did love it because Peter literally turns around and goes... She's way too old for you anyway. You're way too old for her. Dottie's like, Bobby, you're too young. You're the same age. How old's Peter compared to you, Dottie? Ten years older. Like, come on. Oh, God. So Bobby's distraught. So he goes off to the swings where everyone goes when they're distraught. But what I love recently, I've noticed. Mm. (laughs) I know what you're going to (laughs) say. If someone goes off somewhere, they try and make you feel like this happens all, this has always happened. You should know this. So they'll Mm -hmm. say things like, I used to always find you here. It's like (laughs) all the time. I used to find you here. Cue the reason why. Always cue the reason why. (laughs) Then the classic for us, because we know for a fine fact, we never saw this a lot. Remember? Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Literally, that was the thing that pushed me over. I was like, it's just like, E, do you remember when Denny was, how Denny was with Lexi? Remember? 
No, we don't, because we never saw it. He had like two scenes with her, and he didn't even speak to her in them. Like, it's just hysterical. I love when they try and do this. We had like exposition as if we have not actually been watching this series since, like, you know, since its inception. Like, we have literally watched the entirety of EastEnders, and to then tell us that, oh no, you've just missed something. You've just missed that really important moment. Remember all those good old days when, you know, Lola and Lucy were best friends? and Literally right there, it was, oh, so you used to always do this. Reason why. Remember? Remember? It's like they're trying to convert our memories. Yeah. They're trying to convince us. I, like, it's just too much. I was just like, no, we don't remember, Peter. We don't because it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Let's be real. Bobby was in prison most of his childhood. Yes, exactly. Do you remember when I used to find you here? Well, I hope not, because that would have meant he's broken out of jail. <laughs> he must have been upset. He turned down a chocolate muffin, which I really enjoyed when Peter went. But it's chocolate chip. That's in the title, Peter. They're called chocolate, chocolate chip muffins. <laughs> this isn't a new creation. How old are you now? I have created myself. <laughs> it is the first of its kind. <laughs> I invented the chocolate chip yeah. <laughs> back in 1882. <laughs> I'm actually a time traveller. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I have to say, I adored all of the stuff with Bobby and Peter and Ian, all the melodrama. Personal favourite highlight was there. Uh, when Ian had turned around to Peter just before he ran off to, you know, save Bobby and be like, Tarty's poison. But then five minutes later, was emotionally blackmailing Peter, <laughs> uh, telling him that, you know, you know, after everything Bobby's been through, I was really worried about him. Really worried about him. You know, I thought he was never going to wake up after that attack. And Lucy and all that. Like, why are you emotionally blackmailing someone? <laughs> I love it. And then I just love, because then Peter comes to the park and it's just like, remember when I used to find you here all the time? You're like my best friend, my brother, except you murdered my sister. <laughs> it's all just weird. I just love their entire interactions. It's just so complicated, so hypocritical. Like one minute, Pia's like, I hate liars. Next minute, Ian tells Bobby the truth and Pia's face is like thunder. It's like, why did you say anything? Well, I thought you hate liars. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you always tell the truth, Peter? Yeah, exactly, Pia. And then, after his heart-to-heart with Bobby failed, he basically thought, well, I'm going to have to do the right thing, the honourable thing. The honourable thing, because he's honourable Peter. Honourable Peter, who is an adulterer, doesn't care about his child, none of that. Honourable Peter, though. Honourable Peter. Um, He decides he's going to sit down with Dottie, call an end to their relationship, because, you know, he's his brother. You know, the good old brother. Like... (laughs) The classic. I decides he's going to put a pause on their relationship. Yeah. He's pausing the relationship for Bobby because after seeing him turn down a chocolate muffin. It's just too much. I mean, who would? (gasps) He must have been sad because if I'm sad, I would still eat it. I know. Chocolate muffins are the best thing if you're sad. They are. Well, they're good all the time. So Dottie's not happy. She's just sick of this. So off she goes. She is. Furious, she's gonna go to Ruby's tonight. She's originally just said, "You know what? No, we're gonna give up this whole 
drugs thing after Ruby said, like, she doesn't want to see anyone popping anything tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, I, I'm happy now. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to change for about 10 <laughs> minutes. All it, it all takes, all it takes is a kiss from a bloke who she's barely ever known. Um, perfect. That, that's all she needs. Change her entire life around. <laughs> and then within five minutes, it's all gone. <laughs> But before we head to the club with Dottie, who's back to her drug dealing ways, Ian's just going to check in on Bobby too. He needs to check he's all right. Mm. Max overhears. Max is like, hmm, I don't think they should be anywhere near Dottie Cotton. Mm. I had to stop her and the fat boy Slim Wannabe. They were drug dealing at Ruby's. <laughs> I did love her because... Like, Ian, as soon as he heard that, his face just lit up. He's like, I've never seen a person go after another person the way that Ian does, Dottie. Like, it's always strange, isn't it? That, like, this grown man has such a vendetta against her. He's going to kill her. going to destroy her. going to ruin her name. <laughs> I think we should just add the whole Beals on the crime watchers list. <laughs> Kathy's a drug dealer. Peter's a... Well, whatever he is. <laughs> Bobby's clearly a murderer. And, uh, you know, Ian's also got this crazy obsession and, like, you know, murderous intent towards Dottie. To be fair, Dottie could have them all. They've all got some obsession with her. I think she should get reporting. Mm. It's like Ian hears her name from afar and comes running, like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> what can I do now to ruin her life? <laughs> I don't love it. It's like a bad fairy or something. Just springs up as soon as he can to sprinkle some horrible magic. Like, let's ruin her life. Ta-da! <laughs> I have to say, I absolutely loved the interaction between Dottie and Vinny when she's like, I'm going to go back to my drug dealing ways. Pete has posters. He's put us on pause. And, um, you know, Ian's wrecking in my life. He's coming after us. He hates us. So I'm just going to go back to drug dealing. I'm going to sell some gas. And Vinny's like, do you think that's really a smart idea since, like, you know, Ruby said no? And then she says the best line. Don't worry. I'm discreet. <laughs> no, you're not. You're walking around. <laughs> walking around one night with a flipping tray full of, like, nos gas. Yeah, discreet. Discreet. I would hate to see what she's doing when she's not being discreet. Can you imagine? Just, just doing the drugs herself. Like... <laughs> So the first one, Bobby took some on the floor. Could have done with paramedics, but, you know, didn't want to get them involved. Next yeah. time, Max even notices. Everyone knows she's doing it. How's that discreet? Exactly. Even Sonia goes, you're dealing. <laughs> <laughs> they all know. <laughs> it's not that you're discreet. It's that everyone's turning a blind eye. Oh, everyone's turning a blind eye, yes. That's what it is. <laughs> So the police are onto it, onto this drug ring. I was living for that, like, policewoman when she was like, you forgot your bag. Scheming. She was scheming, like, <laughs> was she? oh, look what you forgot, miss. <laughs> Why didn't Toy just leave? The police were a bit suspicious, and I feel like they already knew exactly who it was. I feel like Ian would have really went to town on the description of who yeah. they after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dark hair, normally has it in a ponytail. Got a lot of piercings. Like... That, that would be definitely what Ian says. Looks like one of the cool kids who bullied us at school. <laughs> but because they're not going to be suspicious, they're going to be discreet. They just walk straight in. Ruby's like a 
if they find anything on you, you're finished. Even though I employed you to do this. What are they employed to do now, by the way? I've only ever seen her hand out flyers and she said, we've got a sweet deal here. And I was like, what deal though? I loved when Ruby was like, right, that's it. If if this goes down, I'm throwing you under the bus like Hayley. I'm <laughs> going to throw you under that bus. I'm going to drive it over you. It's your fault. You shouldn't have done it. You brought the drugs in here. You hired her as a drug dealer, as your personal drug dealer. You know what confused me? So Vinny and Dottie were walking through one door when mm. the like police told them to go inside. Yeah. Ian comes through the normal door that everyone else walks through. And yet, they had this big screen behind them. Yeah. Then suddenly it was their normal bar area. <laughs> and they were walking through that to go to another area. But I didn't know they had that many rooms because Mel only ever used the one room. And nice. the night Bobby collapsed... That was 100% the same room with just all the chairs missing because it was the same bar. Yes. It's like it's grown. <laughs> I'm so confused by that club. Has <laughs> <laughs> Ruby knocked through to another like, room next door or something <laughs> to start refurbishing? Just thought I'd take this one over too. <laughs> and upstairs, the Panizars are on the phones at the call centre. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I love that Like when Dottie's getting arrested, Ian had to come down to see it. Had to come down and say it. I just love that. <laughs> like, how spiteful. Like, how old is Ian? <laughs> I'm so like, surprised he didn't film it. He seems that kind of guy. He definitely seems that kind of guy. I'm going to upload this to YouTube. It's going to be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, is that what the kids are doing now? <laughs> I don't know. I'll ask my hip friends. <laughs> 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 when Dottie was caught as well, why did Martin and Ruby look so shocked that she would have still brought the drugs in, knowing fine well they totally were going to? And they were always turning a blind eye, so it's hardly yeah. new information. Your head of security is doing really well, Ruby. <laughs> maybe he could have, love... maybe he could have checked before they went in. Yeah, why didn't the police ask Martin? Then? Why is Martin not in trouble? Exactly. Why isn't Martin getting locked up? <laughs> Why isn't Ruby? She's everyone actually drug dealing. Like, she is the drug dealer. She's the head of this operation. She's the head of this ring. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's running a whole international drug ring from out of, uh, out of Scarlet. Sorry, Ruby's. <laughs> Would hate to get it confused with her sister. So the next day, Dottie walks in. Sonia knows. Sonia's like, I know. But the way yeah. Dottie tried to deny it, and I'm like, hang on, Dottie. Doesn't Martin live there? Wouldn't he have just went, yeah, she was, yeah. She was yeah. doing drugs overnight, you know, Dottie. Yeah, she, uh, just push her. Push her. Push her. And Sonia will be like, I, I knew it. I knew Dottie was up there. I, I, I absolutely love as well when Dottie just claps back and just like, oh, you're going to start lecturing me? Thief? <laughs> yeah, because we still don't know why she's stealing cash from Dot. Well, we know the second time who it was yeah, for, but not the first one. I still don't know. It's an unsolved mystery. Mystery. We're going to solve that. We're, <laughs> we're going to solve it. Well, we could try. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a good go. She would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for us. <laughs> <laughs> Dottie's age is also going to be in there. Yep. <laughs> so Dottie's day just gets a whole lot worse. Off she goes to blackmailing about Sharon again. Blackmailing without any evidence or anything to blackmailing with. I love it. She's really thinking outside the box now. <laughs> he says, well, you've got no evidence. Who are they going to believe? Because she's so annoyed that he's called the police on the whole drug scenario at the club. Mm -hmm. But he's just took it 
a step further? Yeah, that's kind of my reaction. It was funny until Ian did this and it just became really weirdly mean-spirited. Yeah, like I was like, was that not far enough, Ian? Yeah, ruin her chances of getting a job with a criminal record as a drug dealer or let's ruin her entire life entirely. Like, that's kind of where it came from, didn't it? Like, that kind of wasn't enough she got arrested. Let's destroy her. Let's tell the dean of our uni what she's been up to. Also, was this Dean, Chris? Because I swear to God, he did the exact same line that Ruby did about Chris. He was like, I happen to be old friends. When? (laughs) Who is he? (laughs) Who is the Dean? We've never (laughs) met him or her. We've just never... Chris, it's Chris. I swear to God, it's Chris. He's going to walk in and be like, I've got an idea. I was really hoping that Dottie was going to be like, how do you know him? So we could at least get an explanation. (laughs) It's really creepy. Like, it's like Ian's took a leaf out of Leo's book and is now like completely embroiled in like <laughs> every aspect of Dottie's life. Like, <laughs> I happen to know your dean. We've been having lunch every week. Like, <laughs> she should be so like, weird. why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> <laughs> I love that she was just like, you'll always just be a sad little grass. <laughs> Dottie, that might work on the playground, love, but uh, I don't think Adults really care. (laughs) It's time for the bitchin' love triangle. (laughs) That's right, that is Karen, Billy and Mitch. As we know them, bitchin'. We've never really been clear on any of their relationships. It's like, she lives with Mitch, but she's had children with Mitch. Mm -hmm. She's kind of seeing Billy, but you only ever see Billy walking really in and out of the house. You never really know who is with who. No, that's what's so weird. Because I remember we had this whole discussion a while back when it started and we were just like, are they together then? Is it like a polyamorous thing? Because we, 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 like, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, it was so strange. I mean, it's all because Karen sleeps with Mitch every now and again. He lives with that. Yeah. They act like a couple. They've done the ball and change together. Yeah. As a couple? Yes. Which was all kinds of weird because they then... Oh, yeah, that was... With, yeah, with their children. It was, that was, it was just... Old. Next minute, Karen's suddenly with Billy as well. But even weirder, Billy's like at the house, like sleeping with Karen as Mitch is there. It's just weird. <laughs> so I've got a few things outlined that um, I think we should discuss. Karen got Billy a draw. Yes, for his underwear and socks. I think some things we just don't need to hear about. Uh, I know that Billy obviously wears underwear, but having the imagery of his dirty kegs in my head, I did not need. I didn't need that. Moving on. Um, (laughs) Karen also got him the wonderful gift of a toothbrush. Yeah, she did. Is she she trying to tell him something? (laughs) Like... Billy, could you just... I've got a very sensitive nose. Could you just kind of give your teeth a bit of a once over? Thanks, love. They both had a good giggle because it was vibrating. Yeah, as if they've never seen a vibrating <laughs> toothbrush. Like, where are they from? <laughs> <laughs> Back in 1735, we never had electricity. We had motorised, steam-powered toothbrushes. <laughs> They're going to check with Peter. Is that what the cool people are doing now, Peter? <laughs> yeah. 
well, I don't know. I just invented the muffin. He <laughs> <laughs> has chocolate out. chips in. Kathy <laughs> <laughs> comes out with a Latin. Hello. <laughs> Breakfast is important. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week when we try to ram in all of our drugs <laughs> into one segment. <laughs> so if the underwear wasn't already getting into Connor's imagination about Billy Mitchell. Then he certainly had an eye opener when we crossed over to the Vic. (laughs) Um, I'm struggling to even say this. Mitch is having a conversation with Mick and something gets revealed, doesn't it, about... So they're talking about Billy's line of women, pretty much. His love life history. Yes. They're wondering how he gets them. Why Karen wants him over Mitch. Because Mitch is jealous of Billy. Billy's jealous of Mitch. That's yeah. their little thing they've got going on. Yeah, their little trouble triangle. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch is like, I know. She likes me better. Mm. She just needs something little right now. Linda is like, something little. That's not what I've heard. And who has told her this? Yeah. Why does she know this information? I had two theories. One is less disturbing than the other. The second is more disturbing. So the first will go with the less disturbing. Maybe Tina taught Linda. Yes. That's something Tina would definitely mention. Wouldn't she? You just know it. Second thing, the more disturbing story like that could be possible. Linda had a lot of drink and lots of blackouts last uh, year. Linda's took a ride on the Billy train. She might have took a ride there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, That scene, um, as listeners know, I'm not the biggest fan of Billy. Uh, I find him inept and infuriating. But that aside, I can admire what he brings to the EastEnders. The one thing I do not want to hear from the home his discussions about his nether regions. It's the way Mick just gets involved, like... Oh, I know. Saying, I think his, yeah. his Mick on it as well. His Mick being taken a ride with Billy. I know, I was like, uh, Mick. Yeah, it was just so... I did not need to know. I don't need to visualise Billy Mitchell's nether regions. Um, thanks for putting that on my mind. I will now have to sterilise it with, you know, funny videos of dogs. I'm just pretending it didn't happen. Yeah, denial. It's, it's working all right for now. Throughout all of this, can I just... I, I know it, I might sound a bit complainy, but I still love EastEnders. Um, love and and dislike are very close to each other. Love and hate are very close to each other. So the passion is still there for it. <laughs> I am passionately angry with the fact that Mitch is more invested in his weird three-way romance with Karen... Then his son's struggles. I know, and I, I was thinking that because, like, they kept going saying, "Oh, well, I need to go and see Keegan," while still being inv- like really invested more in this love triangle. Yes. And then whenever he was speaking to them, it was as if they weren't listening to him. There was one bit where he was walking off because he was mm. just not in the mood to talk to them, and they're just like laughing and joking behind him, not thinking, "Oh, you're right, son." I loved it because he literally Tiff goes, "Is Keegan all right?" and Mitch goes. He'll be all right. Don't worry. So he's going to help. Five minutes later, he's talking about Billy's penis size. 
What has happened? Where's where's the support for Brock Keegan? No wonder he's like down. Everyone's just talking about penis sizes and and God knows what else. <laughs> Underwear. I'm like a little old lady on her. <laughs> it's oh no. <laughs> I'm going to put 25 complaints into... <laughs> I bet you wrote the Ofcom, didn't you? <laughs> Ofcom, I think it's absolutely disgusting and revolting that <laughs> Billy Mitchell's genitalia were mentioned, and not only mentioned, but also graphically described in the current episode of EastEnders. That's all I'm going to say on that, man. You'll be on points of view. <laughs> Mitch thinks... I don't know how I'm going to woo her. West Billy might have a few extra inches down below. He has the magic touch when it comes to cooking, doesn't he? Apparently. Yeah, apparently it's a, a great laugh when they have dodgy brownies. I love, just love the endorsement of drugs every every other episode. Yeah, dodgy brownies at Karen's uh, and curry night, apparently. I don't know where uh, Karen thought that flower went. Because, like, literally, he had the flower and she said, oh, you're making your brownies. And then five minutes later, I was making curry. She never <laughs> asked where the brownies went. <laughs> I love that. It was just like, nah, don't exist. Who needs to know? Well, we know where he put the flower. Put it in Billy's drawer. Oh, poor Billy. He came round. He brought his brought his pants. <laughs> uh, I sympathise and I concur with Bernie's reply. Ew. <laughs> yeah, that. That is my response. Who wants to know about their mom's boyfriend's dirty drawers? No one. No one. No one wants to know that, Billy. Please don't tell. There's kids around, Billy. Defends his kegs, doesn't he? He's like, no, listen, they're clean. We didn't need to know that either, Billy, but thank you for that information. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you clarified. But okay. I'm glad that this is uh, where we're going instead of, you know, helping Keegan out. <laughs> we're just going to talk about Billy's underwear. And so he goes to put his underwear away, doesn't he, Emma? Goes to put it away, and we find out exactly where Mitch put that flower. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, it was just absolutely hysterical. <laughs> I did laugh at your impression more than I laughed at it on the telly. <laughs> like, absolutely hysterical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Laugh out loud, um, crying, rolling on the floor. Literally, I think I must have been watching a different joke because actually I just thought it was mildly funny at best. I'm obsessed with Sonia's reply to it <laughs> the, uh, the day after when Denise shows her it and it was like literally me. Huh. I love it because it just gives us flashbacks to like Michaela. It's like, has Michaela been sending that round to everyone? Because yeah. it was like everyone, <laughs> everyone had it. Seen it. Like yeah. everyone. <laughs> so obviously once Billy's been flower bombed, they take photos of it, they pose for it, they're laughing. So now everyone has it because everyone has everyone's number and social media. Yes. And they talk about this motto that oh. I feel like yes. they've just sprung upon us in a way that remember, remember. Yes, it is. It's the remember, <laughs> remember, we always used to say this, remember. remember. <laughs> Completely new. Literally, Karen said it to Caden. And then all of a sudden, this was a motto that they then brought into Nelly every episode, which is <laughs> never too old, never too tailor. Now, I've never heard it before. It doesn't make sense. Am I meant to know it? What a strange thing to add into the last few episodes <laughs> before we go on a very long break. Because, like, we've never heard this before. And it is exactly like you're saying. It's like a, remember, you just remember this saying, don't you? No, we don't. We've never heard the same before in our lives. 
stop telling us that we've heard this. <laughs> it's so weird. They're all like, ha, 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 <laughs> like you know the the laughing tracks. Yeah, the on. laughing. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't understand the the joke. I don't understand the the meaning behind that. Anything. Never too old. Never too Taylor. I'm gonna start using. I'm gonna make t-shirts. Oh, we're so short. We yeah. Short, shouldn't we? Never too old. Never just, too Taylor. <laughs> I feel like we should come up with our own. Yeah. Never too. Never too Connor. Never too Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Or just a basic one that makes no sense. Never too old, never too E20. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. There we go. Well, we've said it for yes. Remember? Remember? <laughs> I had to pause and go, have we? <laughs> See, it works. <laughs> oh, See, my God. <laughs> I think it's lockdown got to his house. Like, have we? <laughs> we've been seeing that <laughs> that's our catchphrase now we're seeing every every week <laughs> it is now from now on never too old never too e20 never too connor <laughs> never too emma good night thank you so this continues on it pours over this whole flower bomb prank thing Billy's like ruminating on it, feels like rubbish. I was like, how old are you, Billy? He had the cheek to call them like old. He was like, how old are you for doing this prank? And then five minutes, yeah, I sat whinging, whinging like a child, like, oh, it's so mean. I'm like, Billy, get a grip. <laughs> With like a five minute like prank at best. Listen, just live by the mouth. Never too old, never too dealer. You'll be <laughs> 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 I feel like you know I would turn around to someone put me hand on their shoulder and go listen listen I know you're going through it but just remember <laughs> never too old never too Taylor <laughs> and they would understand what it means I think you said it in loads of different ways as well it has different meanings like so true never too old never <gasps> too Taylor <laughs> Never too old, never too Taylor. Never, never too, too old, old. Never, never too, too Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Can you use that as a pickup line from now on? <laughs> never too old, never too Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> love how we're actually obsessed with it now. <laughs> I am now. I've actually grown to love it now. It's like ridiculous, but it's like ridiculous in the same way that Kathleen was. Oh, it is. You've actually just experienced that moment where we get really annoyed with something, but then we end up loving it. So like, Cherie, call yeah, Cherie, Golden and Patty. Yeah. Kathleen, we're like, oh, you're saying the name wrong, but now we're like, love it. You've literally (laughs) witnessed the process. (laughs) You have just experienced it. Um, I feel like it's like almost like a documentary. Um, do you know who I feel like we should get it to narrate this this documentary, this interaction between where, where we're suddenly, you know, going through the process of realizing we love that phrase? I think we should get and bear with us, not David Attenborough. Oh, because he's 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 old news. He's gone. Okay. I think we should get the wonderful narration of Ikra, 
Ikra's narration of Billy and Mitch was everything. She was comfortable in that bros gig. She had them right down, didn't she? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Why not? Come on board, Ikra. Do a voiceover for us. Come on. You've got a business degree. Let's put it to good use. <laughs> Come on. Because the best way to fight for Karen's heart is a game of air hockey. E God. Saw that and I was just saying, just giving us flashbacks to when I was like, you know, like eight and playing air hockey with my granddad. I was holiday. so good at air hockey. I loved it. I did as well. What a great, game. What a game. It's a weird game though when you think about it. It's just like air keeping like a puck up yeah. off the ground a little and you just whack it. It's just strange. <laughs> it's very strange, isn't it? I hated it when it would go off and you'd have to pay for more. Oh, I had a little tiny table um, when I was younger. It was a gift for Christmas and I could play a little oh. miniature air hockey. Oh, yeah, I do remember yeah, them. Yeah, do you remember them? Yeah. Oh, those are fun. It's completely diverted from um, the storyline now when we're just talking about air hockey. I love it. <laughs> Only on E20. Only on E20. Well, we digress. <laughs> this is a story then. <laughs> so this, this is what I was mentioning earlier. During this game, Mitch confirmed a story that I thought had been forgotten. I remember, I remember Billy working at the club. I also remember Karen, but we still haven't got an answer on that one. Oh, well, no one will know that one. Mitch confirms that Billy is working at Ruby's. He says this. Shame he couldn't get one of these down the club. You can practice between your doorstop duties. See? See? He does work there. So is he being managed by Martin, firstly? Oh, my God. Is he actually secretly... Sleeping with Ruby. It's, it's he See? the one who was on the phone. See? This is what I was saying. We now have proof he works there. We don't know who was on the phone. We've heard a lot mm-hmm. of stories about his downstairs. And she likes an older man. Mm-hmm. The only thing that doesn't fit is that Ruby normally only dates people that Stacey slept with or is related to. That God. is true. So so that's the only thing that doesn't fit with that theory. But Might you know, leave a little question mark there then. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just absolutely adore the whole conflict because I just find it absolutely ridiculous that of all the storylines, we are instead deciding to spend our time, our time watching Mitch and like Billy go to war for Karen. Honestly, I don't think there's been a conflict with like a conflict around love as big as this since the Trojan War. Billy left Karen with an ultimatum: it's Mitch or me. Duh. So this week we were we were dreading Gritney starting. I'm still wretched from that. Got a bit of Gritney in my throat. But it took a bit of a different turn to what we expected. So we kick off the week with Whitney dropping a vase right where Leo died. I couldn't live in that house after all that. How the heck do any of them live in that house? I love how Sonia's like, don't worry, Whit, I'm here to support you. I'll just pick up the vase. <laughs> she picks it all up and Whitney's like, <laughs> running out of the house. Great, great support there, Son. <laughs> and also, Sonia doesn't even run after her or anything. <laughs> do you want to get changed for work, Whit? Like, that's everyone she's like. Sonia's getting craving for that, like, rent, isn't she? Come on, come on. Come on, kids, get up. Get up. <laughs> Can't be late. I need the money. <laughs> I, I haven't seen her go in her uniform once. God knows if she's working. <laughs> Sonia's just booked a load of holidays in because everyone else is paying for stuff. So she's like, well, I can fit a holiday <laughs> yeah. in, actually. I've got enough money to send myself away. 
<laughs> I'm not coming in. I'm off to Barcelona. I love that. So, yeah, Whitney just goes run about, doesn't she, in a dressing gown? I loved it because even when she's like running around in a dressing gown, she still looked stylish as anything. She was like flowing through the, the square. It was like a music video. I would look so terrible if that was me. <laughs> Can you imagine me walking in the house in my pajamas? People would think I was homeless. <laughs> I would have my big pink fluffy slippers on. I'd be unshaven. My face would be like, you know, Gandalf. Like, my hair would I'm, be. Oh. Just horrific. Whitney is, bless her, just like sat there in the like little square, isn't she? Chilling, quite literally, because I bet she's freezing, freezing <laughs> in that little kimono dressing gown thing. Like My dressing gown's very, very fluffy, so I think I would still be okay if I went out in mine. I might not look pink? stylish, but no, it's not pink. Oh, is it not? No. Oh, would it be just like the fan fiction dressing gown? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's not that, like, great. It's like... A really, it's a really thin one. I don't know why I have it because it doesn't actually do the job. <laughs> I think I should probably replace it. It's like that's what I was thinking when I was watching Wit. I was just like, God, me and her would be freezing to death if we were out in that. I would be like, it's quite nice out here, isn't it, guys? Yeah, you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way uh, Grey walks past, but with a small orange juice. That was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> if I needed to pop out in the morning for any. Anything I really need. I love an orange juice with my cereal. I do. But if I don't have any, I wouldn't rush out for it. I would rush out for milk because I would say that's more essential. Mm. But an orange juice? Nah. I love the fact that that was his like essential get. Like that was (laughs) something he had to get. Oh, I couldn't live without me Robertson fruit juice. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like it is like that, isn't it? (laughs) He's definitely got a Tropicana in his hands. I mean, I I love a Tropicana. Oh, I I do. The one without Top the part. bits. I don't do the... Yes! Oh. Who, who has the bits? Oh, fine. Green definitely has the bits. He definitely has the bits. You can tell. Oh, I don't He's know. Because when he was holding it, it was blue, the top, and the oh. blue one doesn't have the bits in, if it is top corner. Oh, so he says one of us. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so as his, you know, usually does, he comes and sits down and gives... With some sound advice, doesn't he? He's, he's there to support her. I mean, shame he couldn't support any other woman in his life, but, you know, um, we'll we'll just move on from that and talk about how he looks after Wit. And he goes, why don't you come home with me? I mean... Mm, I don't... <laughs> is that professional, Grey? Maybe this is why you got sacked by Laura? This is the thing. If I knew that my employee was letting their client sleep in their house, I would be a bit... Like, yeah. what's going on there? Well, isn't it like a conflict of interest? Yeah. Would that not classify as like a conflict of interest? Oh, well, you know, she might be my best friend and live in the house, but I can totally represent her <laughs> legally and unbiasedly. Okay, great. It's all a bit dodgy. But don't worry, because she's got somewhere to stay now, Emma. That's the main thing. She doesn't have to live in that creepy house with Sonia, who's demanding all the rent all the time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she'll be gutted. She'd be good at it. She'd be even poor right now. She's like, right, Dotty, better do double time. <laughs> Get your backside out of this house. Get yourself down to the workhouse. <laughs> then we cut to Grey doing a bit of role play, acting like he's in front of the jury and Ooh. presenting Whitney's case. Yeah, it was terrible. I have to be honest. His, if, if he was... If he was doing that in a court, I would not be moved by what he had said in any no, way. It's because Grey's doing it for himself. 
He's not doing it for Whitney. We all know yeah. that. He likes to be the hero, but for himself and no other reason. Yeah. He has no love or respect for women. So, And I mean, the irony of this case, when you think about it, that he's having to represent a woman who has been treated badly by men all of her life. Exactly. And he's having to show her case and how they've treated her. And I'm like, oh, pot, call and kettle. Yeah, love. I loved it when he was like talking to Wit because he had to do some research. Remember, he had to, he had to ask her some personal questions. He had to yeah. know the, the history of our relationship. And I just love Whitney's like reply to him when she's like hearing him list off all of her boyfriends and like all the horrific history. She's like, God, they're going to think I'm a right nutter. Why couldn't she just meet a normal bloke? I feel like at that moment, that was witch talking to us. Like, I feel like that's something that everyone who watches Whitney's story about, we're always like, why does EastEnders keep making her have horrific relationships? We're like, we just want Whitney to be happy at some point. Just give her a nice guy. I know. I mean, even Lee was thought, oh, he's a nice one. And then Greg goes to talk to uh, Linda, doesn't he? And he's like, so what was it like with uh, with Lee and her? Well, you know, he did hit her, but only the ones. He's not like those blokes. Did you see oh. his face, though, when Linda said, not like those blokes, and then Grey wants to rush off? He's like, well, I've got everything I need. I've got everything I need. It was just really interesting to see Grey's face and how quickly he ran. If I was Linda, I would be like, I've just mentioned that, and he's suddenly done a runner. Hmm. Yeah, he selected. <laughs> okay, that's not suspicious at all. He's suddenly getting, like, hot under the collar, and he's, like, sweating. He's like, I'm not like one of them men, am I? <laughs> it's the fact he's now going to be talking about that as well. And I'm like, oh, it's like you're talking about yourself. It's going to be very interesting to see if he cracks mm. under all of this, because, like, we obviously know something's coming along for Chantel and him. You know, we've seen it the, the last, you know, during this whole Whitney and Grace saga, Grey has become increasingly obsessive about where Chantel's going, accusing her of going places, having a tracker in his car, mm. like to make sure she's not taken anywhere. Like, we can see where this is now moving towards. It's moving towards a serious incident with Chantel, I think. And lots of people are starting to see through him a bit, like Dottie finding the tracker in the car. Ben finding it very weird that a man could be so specific about the mileage on his car and knowing exactly how much it's gone up by. Well, unfortunately, Whitney is not one of those people. She has got her grey blinders on. She sees only the good man who's been supporting her all the way through this. Little does she know he's only supporting himself. Um, yeah, he makes her go and reenact everything that happened to her. When he said, let's take, like, let's do a reenactment, I was like, listen, this isn't a trip down memory lane. This is like crime watch. Like, she's not going to have a good old time. It's just not criminal going back to the scene of the crime. That poor girl, she's like so dramatic. Let's go. Can you imagine Sonia's also in the house at the same time? She's just like, what's going on? There's like a tour guy going, this is where he died. <laughs> Dottie's at the door collecting the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, son, I'm paying the rent. <laughs> it's some way to make money. <laughs> So this is where I stabbed him. Um, I just, I just thought it was so, so sad for me because she was like, I, I, I knew he was going to kill us, and you're just like, God, she's had like the worst life on the square. Maybe between her and Ronnie Mitchell, like the, they oh, yeah. definitely had the worst lives ever in the history of all women. Like it is the most horrific, horrific history for them. And he does, like, help her through remembering some of it because he's like, listen, we need evidence. 
Um, obviously, he's not doing it for a therapeutic point of view. He's doing it just so he can build a case so he wins. But it does draw them a bit closer, doesn't it? Well, Grace starts to tell her that she needs to believe in herself. She's stronger than she thinks she is. And he's never met anyone like her before. I mean, come on. His body and that face and then those words. <laughs> it would be like, yes, well, what? What do you want me to do? <laughs> She's only human. Poor wit is like, I've had the worst history with men. Then there's this gorgeous man, like, suddenly flirting with her. Like, you're so strong, Whitney. I love you. And then she kisses him, and he's like, oh! <laughs> Thomas sending mixed messages, Gray. <laughs> it went completely different the way I thought it would. I didn't think he would get up and actually... Run and then go and tell Chantel. I thought he would probably carry that on. Literally, I did too. I thought, well, he would kiss her back. Yeah. He's scummy enough to just stop an affair. And I thought he would actually carry all that on. He wouldn't tell Chantel, but yet he would probably still be having a go at Chantel thinking that she's having an affair with Karat when we would know for a fine fact that he was having one with Whitney. I don't know if they'll probably go down that line after yeah. their break. Maybe not. Maybe they will. I don't know. But that's what I thought would happen. So it was interesting to see him actually not go through with it and Gritney just stop right there. I was like, thank God. <laughs> I know, I thought, oh, no, Gritney. Oh, we're safe. No, Gritney, we're fine. We're fine. He goes and tells Chantel. She is not happy. And you know what? She really spoke for us when she went and confronted Whitney and said, friends don't kiss their mates' husbands. Exactly. Where's Ruby when she's saying this? She needs to be an earshot of this. She, she needs, needs to hear this. She needs to be told. <laughs> I mean, come on. When, like, someone's clearly thinks that way on the writing team. So, come on. Maybe just write a few lines for, for Ruby. Come on, just move over to that, that department. Write a few for her. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God, that's us when we're talking about Martin and Ruby. <laughs> hey, don't us. do that. Do your don't best do friend. That. I don't do that. <laughs> I felt like we had possessed the writing team on that day. Like, hey. <laughs> yes, the heat, Say Ruby. It. <laughs> um, I did love though when Gray's like reply to to oh, Chantel's disgust and shock. I'm obsessed. It happens, it happens all the all time. The time. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Gray. Yes, just what you want to hear from your husband. Yeah, kiss all my clients. <laughs> Is he actually suggesting? That any client just gets to that point when they're having these chats that they have to yeah. kiss them. I think that's what's happened. I think Kush has done it. I think uh, <laughs> Whitney's definitely done it. <laughs> I think um, you know, any other ones that we've done, he's, he'll do it. it's how they pay him. <laughs> They've got to pay him somehow. They can't pay him with cash. <laughs> provides a communal service for communal kisses. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> so Chantelle, you know how you had to go and get that extra job and uh, I've not I've not been working. Yeah. Well, actually, when I was working, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I wasn't bringing in much. I was just bringing in kisses. kisses. <laughs> Save all your kisses for me. <laughs> I was actually just lying the whole time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'd be less bit real if he was charging and kisses I would hire him every day <laughs> <laughs> I 
You're um, hired. <laughs> so moving on from my, my lustful ways. We're off to um, go get a session with Grey. <laughs> <laughs> Move along swiftly so I can get off to see Grey. <laughs> you know what? I'm just like Laura. I just let myself in. Yeah. <laughs> We've took it one step further. <laughs> Hello, Grey. <laughs> so his interactions with Chantal were very interesting around this time as well. Because... I think for her in her mind, while she was annoyed, it did also kind of give her a little bit of hope that maybe this marriage would collapse. Unfortunately, Grace says this line, we have an unbreakable marriage. Great, great news for Chantel. Mm. So whilst Grey can show with some kindness, all he seems to show Chantel is nothing but suspicion and distrust and violence. And you saw a brief moment of it when she said she wasn't lying and he grabbed her hand. It was horrible just that moment because you could just feel whilst he wasn't going to start hitting her, it was just a reminder that that person who did those things is still there. He's just waiting to come out. And poor Chantel, she literally had an actual alibi for why she wasn't where he thought she was. She had a dentist appointment. If he did have right... He has a tracker on the car. Why, if she was going to have an affair with Karat, would she be going to the warehouse? <laughs> Why would she go to Stratford? I did love it. And then he was like, Dennis appointment. Is that the best you can do? Well, I'm sorry. Like, that's the whole point. It's not the best she can do because she's not lying. Why would she lie about a dentist appointment, if anything? She'll come up with a wee better lie than that. Duh. Sharon's gonna fight, 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 fight for her love. It's time for Sharon, Phil, and baby Caden. Who Phil hates, but we'll get onto that later. <laughs> so the week kicked off with Sharon going to see Phil, because obviously they had a big argument about uh, baby Caden. Well, she's going to see him about Denny's memorial bench. They've got a plaque for it, and they're going to have another little memorial. <laughs> She's talking about wanting a fresh start, and that could be them. That could be them in the Vic. The problem is, though, her fresh start, her idea of a fresh start involves, oh, nothing much, just, you know, the child of her affair. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Do we think Phil would be up for that kind of uh, a trio, that little adventure? I don't know that he would. <laughs> I think Sharon was was hoping for the best, <laughs> but ultimately was a little bit naive to think that Phil would be like, yeah, sure. I know he had an affair. I know I hate that man and almost tried to kill him, but I'll take his child on. <laughs> 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 so before we get into all the back and forth drama between Phil and Sharon, we have to talk about another important woman in Caden and Sharon's life. That's Karen. So she's staying now. She's not moving to Croydon. You Billy know, be happy. Which, That's too far for him. That was too far. It was like the other side of the world. So they're going to prepare to give Caden back to Sharon. And Bernie's not happy about that. Karen says it's for the best. Bernie's the voice of reason, however, in this little discussion, because she immediately says what I think. It goes, the best is going to be brought by the Mitchells. <laughs> I love this next bit. They were acting again as if he was going to be far, far away. 
And Karen says, he's two minutes away, Bernie. It's not like he's leaving the country. And I'm like, hang on. When you were moving to Croydon last week, everyone was acting like you were moving to Australia. Yeah. It was like they're never ever going to see her again. It's like she's going to Narnia. What is with the distance and time perception of people in this place? Like Bernie's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Never going to see Caden again. She's like, it's just across the road, sweetheart. They're acting like they're never going to see him again. But technically at this moment in time, we're led to believe this is Keanu's son. Yes. We're still convinced it's obviously Phil. It's not. It's clearly not. There was a lot of hints in this. Oh, yeah. And if that's to be believed, Karen is then his grandma, therefore should always be able to see him. Yes. And he lifts like a couple of doors down. I just love it. It is literally as if, like Sharon's just going to lock him in a cupboard until he's like 13 or something. We'll never see him again. Like that is the reaction from Bernie. He was like, oh my God. So I guess that was upsetting though. <sighs> it was Denny's memorial, wasn't it? And it wasn't just those few mourners who were gathered that were upset. Martin was very upset because people should be allowed to pay their respects. Martin, you didn't even know Denny. Neither did Lexi, but it didn't stop sure. everyone having happy memories of the times they used to play. No, do you not remember, Emma? Do you not remember? They were best friends. Remember Uncle Denny and little niece Lexi? I know. Oh, good times. Good, good times. times. <laughs> good times. I did love it, though, because like, Martin was like so outraged by it. And I was like, well, firstly, you're not really friends with Phil. You're not really <laughs> friends with Ian at the moment. No. And... Um, I don't know that you've, you're that close with Sharon either. So, like, <laughs> why would you be going to Daddy's memorial? You certainly <laughs> wouldn't be friends with Sharon because you did try to kill Keanu. Exactly. Until you bailed out of it. <laughs> yeah, until you decided, oh, no, I don't want to be dark anymore. And obviously annoyed Phil by not doing anything. Exactly. So he would certainly not be on the guest list. But the memorial goes ahead. It's very... Very tearful. I don't know why there was like a photographer there, by the way. That was the weirdest, most inappropriate thing in the world. Well, it's weird because the first time obviously he came around because they were doing a whole thing for the papers that they'd made a memorial bench for yes. Denny. But this time, why is he hanging around? Was he been there waiting the whole time? He like, should be there the whole time. Are we having another one? <laughs> it's like David Ambrose spends like three months like following a single animal. It's like, <laughs> now in the middle of the square, we can see the liar, as he tries his best to convince the world that he did not kill Denny. It's like, Ian, are you ready for me now? I'm yeah. here. <laughs> I prefer your version of what happened. I'm going to stick with that as my as like the, <laughs> the head cannon here. I'm going to be like, yeah, he just sat around waiting for a memorial to occur so he could take pictures. <laughs> so, memorial goes ahead. Ian does his best fake cry in his telenovela. You know, he's like, oh, 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 poor Danny. He was such a nice boy. Well, he was. He was cyberbullying your son for ages and got him, like, put in the hospital. So, you know, he, he wasn't exactly perfect. Let's not lie. And um, he did bully the Taylor's kids. Uh, yeah, he did also bully the Taylor kids as well, yeah. He joined Tiff's gang. Oh, and he wasn't very nice to Will either that one time. So, yeah, a lot of times he's been mean. Well, Will doesn't remember that, does he? He's like a human... Shrine to Denny? Listen, everyone goes through grief differently. Some lay flowers, some cry. Will just pilfers everyone's clothes and wears them. 
that's that's how he deals with things, Emma. That's how he deals with things. I would just love to see him turn up to the memorial dress. <laughs> You'll just see Will across the square every now and then and go, sorry, is that Denny? <laughs> He's dyed his hair and everything to match. <laughs> he goes through the stages and he's actually original Denny. He's got like long blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say, whilst Ian's telenovela wasn't as emotional since we knew that he'd murdered Denny, technically, <laughs> uh, by accident, um, I did love Phil's moment when he was asked to say something and he could only say he was my boy. Yeah. And then just like broke down crying and like walked away and I was just like, oh, it does have a heart after all. I know. Just accept the baby, Phil. We all know it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> after the memorial, Sharon decides it's time. She needs, needs her baby back. She's buried one son. She's ready to start again afresh. Because it's what Danny would have wanted. However, oh, poor old Karen. She doesn't want to let go, does she? No, because according to Bernie, she's his first mom. <gasps> Sorry, that's just me wretched. I was like, again, if we're led to believe this is Keanu's baby. Yeah. She is his grandma. Yes, not his mother. That is weird. That is weird. <laughs> Don't say that, Bernie. That's just weird. Oh, oh, <laughs> I just love how Bernie thinks it's absolutely fine. I'm just like, this is why your mom thought you were sleeping with Keanu. E, do you, you remember? Yeah, yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> and then Keanu like flipped out, and it, like she was like, I didn't mean to offend you. Offend? You just accuse him of inbreeding? <laughs> Never too never old, too old, never, never too, too Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that phrase means. <laughs> so Karen gives the motto, never too old, never too Taylor. The baby Caden started him off with that motto from yeah. birth. And as she's talking to him, she also tells him that the Mitchells, they have a big house. They have a big house. Well, we all know, don't we? <laughs> Original Denny's still lost in there somewhere. They have so many people in there. With, there's so many rooms. There's so much to choose from as you grow up, Caden. Oh, yeah. He can he can have a walk-in closet now. Yeah. Like, he, he literally could knock through into Louise's old room. Honestly, <laughs> like, that house is massive. It's like Narnia or something, or a TARDIS. And soundproof. And, do you remember when, like, everyone was living there and stuff? Like, you had, like, Roxy and things like Like... Everyone was living in that one house. Yeah. That's crazy. It reminds me of the Slaters over Christmas. It's just... Oh, how God. many people can you get in? <laughs> Haley Whitney Dev. <laughs> like, do you remember that one? <laughs> All the kids. Kat, Alfie, Stacey, oh. Martin, Mo, Jean. <laughs> Jerry! <laughs> <laughs> so Karen goes and drops Caden off and... She shows Sharon his bear and it's just like, oh, he needs this if he gets grizzly. Haha, <laughs> grizzly bear, grizzly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, Sharon only just gave him that the previous episode. <laughs> so like, why is she acting like he's had it from birth? Like, he's always needed this to sleep. He's only needed it since last night. He's actually sleeps better. 
I do love it. It's it's as if like she's acting as if Sharon didn't give her that teddy bear. Yeah. Just make sure you give him this because it's very very special to him. Well, I know. I my gave son him it. <laughs> it's from Denny. <laughs> so Sharon hugs him, takes him. I love how quickly she snatches him off Karen as well. She literally just goes, "Bye." <laughs> no, no, thank you. No cup of coffee. Nothing. Nothing. Just slam the door in her face. Can't see it. the woman for dust stuff. She goes. <laughs> She's as quick as Will was going up the stairs to get all Denny's stuff. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yes, I've got it back now. <laughs> I just love it. Um, I loved I loved her line to him as well. And she's like, I'm never going to let you go. <sighs> Sharon, I love you. Then she mentioned Daddy Phil. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we all know what this means. Obviously, yeah. it doesn't mean anything at the moment. She's just saying that because obviously he's going to be acting as the dad. But we all know. We all know. Well, we all know. We all know. We all know that was a little nod. He's a little a nod. <laughs> Something's going to happen. They're going to find out that his blood type is not yeah. the same as Keanu's. <laughs> it's going to be Phil's. Something like that is going to happen. He's going to need, like, I don't know, like blood transfusion or something at some point. I feel like that's what's going to happen. This place so- where she'd done the test, she'd done everything herself, sent it off. And then they sent all the details to Mel. How are we meant to believe this place? More than that, how did they test its DNA when she was heavily pregnant? Yeah. Like, you can't properly, effectively test DNA until the birth. Not without being very invasive as well. Like, Mm. I'm sure you could, but you would have to, like, it would have to be, like, a hospital trip. And you would probably have to have, like, something inserted into, into it so that it could take some DNA naturally Phil when he sees the baby of his enemy his competitor he doesn't uh, take to it no decides that Caden is basically a tailor always will be a tailor because Sharon left him with baby Caden and she hid all the nappies and just pretended went off to the cafe have a little chat with Ian (laughs) (laughs) never gonna let you go Ken Puts the baby down. Bye, Phil. Bye, Keenan. <laughs> Five minutes later. <laughs> I love our schemes as well. Oh, I've forgotten where the nappies are. I forgot to get nappies. As if Phil's not going to just go, I wonder what this is. Moves the pillow. Massive nappy pack. Oh, I was so sad that he didn't take to the baby after, though. I was kind of like, I was like, a bit like Sharon, like hoping. I knew it wasn't going to happen. I know. You didn't really try, though. He gave, no. he gave the bell over and then was just like, nah. You know the bit where he was saying that, like, he's a tailor and all this? I was really hoping he said Keanu and he didn't. <gasps> no. I thought he was going to say it. Every time I look at him, I'm yeah. just reminded of Keanu. But he never said it. I was like, he's going to say it, he's going to say it. <gasps> he said, tailors? Oh. What? What a missed opportunity that was. I did love when she was waiting in the cafe, like, just waiting around, chilling, having a coffee and socialising, when Ian was like, are you sure that's a wise idea? Are you sure the baby's going to be safe with Phil? I was like, sorry, <laughs> when did Phil suddenly go from Philip Mitchell, wannabe gangster, to serial child murderer? Like, it's quite an extreme jump there, isn't it? <laughs> I know he's not the nicest person, and he can be a bit of a thug, but, like, He's not going to do anything. Yeah, exactly. I did love 
when Sharon came back. I mean, it was very heartbreaking when Sharon came back and basically was, Phil was like, look, he's always going to be a tailor and I want it out. You can have the Vic. We can go and start afresh. But that baby isn't coming with her. And I it felt for Sharon because she was like, oh, Phil, please don't make me choose. Please don't make me choose. But then I love it because while she does love Phil, Sharon Watts like emerged again from that. Like you got a bit of that where she just went, there's no choice if you're making me choose. And I was just like, oh, God, Sharon, tell him. Tell him that Ben is yours. You're yeah. not going to abandon it for him. Go on, girl. And that's what she did. She basically said, nah, I'm keeping my baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then Phil was like, well, get out of my house. I just don't get how you could even give that as an option. Like, your baby or me? Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know, Phil. <laughs> like, come on. It's a bit like that TV show, It's Me or the Dog, but instead it's like, it's me or the child. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many moments this week where I was like, Phil, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. you. I know, I know. Every time I'm I gets this, because I always go, oh, he's better now. And then he does something. I'm like, I hear you again. (laughs) Don't you speak to our Sharon like that. Because I tell you what, me and I'll be down the road. We'll be on that train all the way down. You know, quarantine's over now, love. <laughs> of course, Sharon's basically homeless again. I mean, it's like Christmas all over again, isn't it? She's homeless again. She's turfed out. But don't worry, she's got somewhere to go. Her old faithful, Ian. So her and Ian are at a bit of a we-need-to-talk moment. And she's like, listen, I need to go get my clothes because obviously I can't go over there. That'll be really awkward if I was over there. So Ian thinks... I'll be the white knight. I'm going to go and get the clothes. I'm going to save her life. I'm going to make everything amazing for Sharon. She's going to love me. She's going to love me. Ian, you are so deep in the friend zone now. You're practically family. Ian goes over to to Phil. He's going to throw his way around. He thinks he's going to be able to walk in there like a man. Love this. Phil just reminds him who he is. He's a vulture. He's a runt. He'll always be a runt. A runt whose head he flushed down the toilet. I love a good throwback to that. Anyone that mentions that, fantastic. What, what a moment. But Phil and Ian's scenes are everything. They are. They're always going to have that conflict. It's so funny, isn't it, that their their hatred for each other has never wavered. <laughs> Does it matter how many times they've come together and been besties or like they've done things together, worked together? Like, doesn't matter. They still hate each other. They have I this think... weird love-hate relationship where they'll support each other, but then they also hate each other. And I just, yeah. I love their dynamic. It's so good. I'd loved when uh, when Ian was like, uh, where's that clothes? I'll, I'll get them. And Phil's like, if you touch anything <laughs> in this house, I'll break your fingers. I, love I was just like, that's the Phil we like. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Phil's seen straight through Ian, like, mm, you're trying to get Sharon here. That's all this is. I love it. It's so true as well. It just comes across so creepy, though. Like, I don't know why they've done this. Yeah. I'm like, it looks so lechy. Most people who are, like, guilt-ridden wouldn't be able to leave their house, let alone, like, try and make a relationship with the person's (laughs) mother. It's just so weird. So Phil sees Ian off and is basically like, get out of my house. Uh, If she wants her things, she'll come round. 
Ian returns, defeated to Sharon. I mean, why would she ever pick him? Look how, like, pathetic he is. He, like, crawls back when he's like, Sharon, I'm so sorry. I couldn't get your things. Like, that's not what she wants, really. Like, come on. It's Sharon Watts. She wants someone who is going to protect her, look after her, all that stuff. But also someone who's her equal. So Ian tells her, you've got to stay away from Phil. But she's like, how is he? Yeah. Is he drinking? And that she still loves him. And it's like, I know. she's so thoughtful. I love, I love the bit where the first thing that came out of my mouth was, how was he? And I was I just know. like, she still cares. Like after everything he does to her, she still yeah. cares for him. I think it's because she's just got a nice heart. She does. Queen Sharon all the way. That's what I mean. She needs someone who is her equal. She needs someone who is both as feisty and loving and passionate as her. Ian is none of those things. <laughs> like, Ian is not any of those things. So, Sharon um, basically has no choice. She has to go get her stuff. And um, Phil lets her know, well, you can play happy families if you want with Ian, but I'm going to have the fic. Phil. It's weird because she actually came around to say, we can do this, we can work together. She still loves him. She always will. And he can grow to love Caden because he is the dad. (laughs) (laughs) Then Phil just takes that approach. I love it. He's like, well, if I couldn't make you love us once, I'll do this. I'll just blackmail you. I'm just like, Phil, this is not the right way to go about getting Sharon back. There's only one way, just accept the baby. Because he even says that he's taking the Vic because it hurts, doesn't it, losing something you love? And I'm like, um, at this moment. But Sharon says it best when she says, I lost my son. Like, what an insensitive comment to make. I was like, I, I think she's already lost something. She's lost a few things she loved, actually. Yeah, our whole life got destroyed at Christmas. Like, come on. Obviously, he replies, so did I. They've lost, they've both lost someone they really love, Denny. And Phil, I don't know why, still doesn't see that if this is how he feels, Sharon is also feeling this. Yeah, I mean, Phil's empathetic skills are just non-existent, aren't they? It's as if he's going, I only feel this emotion. Yeah, he's the only human alive. Everyone <laughs> else isn't. He's like... I'm the only one with feelings. (laughs) But it was very interesting what Phil said, because now we understand it's not just, if it had just been Keanu's baby, that he might have been able to deal with. But the real reason is that he blames the baby for Denny's death. He went, Caden murdered Denny, you know. (laughs) Do you remember that? Shocking. Remember when he trapped him in that room? Came out the womb. Off he went. <laughs> Got his bags. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> Never too old. Never, Never too, too Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I did love it because it was it was obviously ridiculous, but like at the same time, you can't understand why he feels that way. It's not literally the no. movie. It's <laughs> It's obviously like just the fact that Sharon got pregnant in his mind mm-hmm. by Keanu. Keanu's affair with her and this baby are what broke up his entire world and yeah. destroyed everything and then killed his son. So, or led to the death of his son. But yeah, so he's just like, Sharon, listen, I'm taking the Vic, love. You can either hop on board the Phil train or you can go downtown <laughs> with uh, Ian. 
You can get on that wagon. <laughs> it's got a busted tire and it won't take you far. <laughs> <laughs> um, just as he's, you know, burning a few bridges, he thinks, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to invite uh, Linda around. I'm going to invite Linda around because, uh, yeah, I think it's about time. About time I give up this charade that I actually care about her alcoholism. Um, she comes around and he's just like, so what did you know about Sharon? <laughs> I love their sponsor meeting because then yeah. he uses that as a, you've got to tell the truth. <laughs> about what she's going through, not about your wife. She had no idea anyway. That's what was so funny. She's like, I don't even know she's going to do that. <laughs> and he's we... like, tell the truth. So he doesn't even believe her? I'm like, but she's telling the truth? <laughs> She's like got way more important things than like getting wrapped up in your family drama, Phil. Come on. I was really uh, looking forward to him being her sponsor as well. Again, rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. You've let we all down, Phil. You've let we all down. Linda basically is like, listen, I thought this was about alcoholism and like you're meant to be helping me. And he's like, well, you can get out of my house. You can consider me no longer your sponsor. Like, thanks for the notice, Phil. Like, now Linda's just out in the world without anyone to help support her. Fabulous. Fabulous. Doing this bit for the community, isn't he? Community. <laughs> what I was confused about is, if you want the Vic, why would you upset the person who can decide if you get this or not? <laughs> I love it because it just comes back to, like, how Phil clearly underestimates women as well. Like... He never quite sees them as having any sort of level of authority. When he did that, he thought, well, that's not going to have any impact because I'll just talk to Mick. Well, Mick isn't you, Phil. And Linda, she has his ear. She can mm-hmm. tell him what to do. And that is exactly what she goes home and does. Well, Sharon actually speaks to Linda about everything that's happened. And Linda is not happy. She's not having that man anywhere near her pub. Nah, he's not even fit to flip and empty the drip tray. She's also told Ian about everything that happened. She believes Phil's doing this because he knows how much the Vic means to her. And Ian has this look in his eyes. Yeah, as if we didn't know where this was going. <laughs> Phil's dead set on getting the Vic. Ian's got that little glint in his eyes of, maybe I could get it. And Phil's got some plans for the Vic, doesn't he? He's got a few plans and he's he's talking it through to a few people. He's went to visit his son um, and, and he's talking to Ben about how everything will be all right, guys. Talking to Ben and Callum. Everything will be great once we all move in together. Lads night out or something. It is like that. <laughs> lads, like, lads, lads. Lads, yeah. It's like a uni, like, um, what do you call it? Shared accommodation. <laughs> Come on, lads. Like halls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Callum, you could just see his face being like, I'm not moving in with Phil Mitchell. So he's planning on having all the lads round. He's planning on, you know, living it up, manly style. Callum's like, listen, that ain't happening. I'm going to go see Mick. So with Linda's words already ringing in Mick's ear, Callum has his say, doesn't he, Emma? And before Callum says anything, Mick mentions that Ian's just been in. But he does mm. mention it's about flyers. And I'm like, no, it's not. Interesting, guys. Interesting. But we'll come back. We'll come back. <laughs> Callum is just sick of Phil getting what he wants and everyone doing what he wants. It was very um, strong emotionally like, for, <laughs> for, for Callum. I never thought Callum didn't like Phil. <laughs> but, you know, um, 
I mean, full of surprises. We'll just go with it. Um, Mick has all of Linda's words ringing in his head. Now he's got all of Callum's. And he's thinking, yeah, actually, Phil does get what he wants all the time. I know. I was a bit shocked because I was like, Mick, as plans go, maybe it's not the best idea to tell the person that you're going to, like, screw over, that you're going to screw them over. <laughs> like, maybe you just keep that one to yourself so that they don't have any sort of clue that you're about to, like, drop their deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, each to their own and everyone gets, you know, gets to live their life how they do. <laughs> like, go ahead, go ahead. You know, Cross and Phil Mitchell, it's always going to lead to fun things, isn't it, Mick? <laughs> Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Phil, in his little conversation, mentions the most funniest thing in the whole world. Trying to burn down the Vic. I mean, what a way to advertise yourself as a Vic owner. Did I ever tell you about when I burnt this place down? I love that. <laughs> I would say clearly it's a threat, but like, also you probably shouldn't threaten someone that you're desperate to have a deal with. Because really, they'll just say no. They're having this chat and then Phil's just like, you need to get Linda out of here. Did I ever tell you about the time that I had vodka in one hand, a match in the other, and I set fire to this old place? I mean, what he also fails to mention is that he wasn't just an alcoholic at that point. He was also a crack addict. Yeah, he was a drug addict, wasn't he? So, so like, I think uh, Linda's a little bit off from being that level of mad. So Phil and Mick have had their little chat. Phil comes back in later with his papers. He needs them signed now. Well, that is it. He's, he's done. Yeah. He's sick. 100 grand now. <laughs> <laughs> and Mick's like, oh, sorry. Linda's like, oh. Very confused as to what's going on. So we're not selling it to him. And she's happy about that. She's happy about that. Yeah, she's like, yes, I'll unpack my bags and everything. That's great. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've already made a deal with the landlord there. They're here. Linda's like, whoa, you haven't consulted me in this. I love that because that's, again, like a moment where you're like, Linda's really an equal partner in this and she will kill Mick if uh, she didn't know the plan. She was like, why haven't I been informed? I'm not a silent partner in this business. Phil just thinks it's a joke. Yeah, because he's like, who's going to who's gonna have the audacity to like one-up me? Who's going to have the audacity to try and like mess with my business? And they all walk out to a smirking Ian Beale. Very <laughs> pleased with himself. <laughs> and Queen Sharon behind the bar. Hello, Phil. Hello, Phil. What can I get you? What can you? I get you? Perfect. Symmetry. That is what that scene was. Do you remember that time when she took the pub and, like, it was like, hello, Peggy. <laughs> what, what can, can I, I get, get you? Loved it. That is just every, that is what I live for from EastEnders. And Sharon is finally behind the bar, a queen for the Queen Vic. Yeah. When EastEnders started, that was at home. And now they've come to their first break. Oh, my God. No. And it's ending on her being back there. And I love that as well. Perfect. I couldn't think of any more, anyone more perfect to take it over. And we know when her and Phil inevitably get back together in the future, it'll be Phil and Sharon behind the bar. And I mean, that's going to be that's good stuff. Everything. That's going to be everything. It's time for this week's Hero of the Week. Our final hero for a long time. And it is Mick. And it's because he stuck by Linda. He stuck by Sharon. He wasn't happy with what Phil had done. And he gave the Vic to who it belonged to. Sharon. I love him for doing that. 
It is literally like the only person who truly deserves that pub. She is a queen, and a queen has to be behind the bar of the Queen Vic. No one else. So well done, Mick. Queen Sharon in the Queen Vic. It's time for this week's Slipping Jan. And as it's the final one for a while, until we go back to our normal roundups when EastEnders is back from its break, we thought we might change it up a bit today. Why not? <gasps> Ooh, exciting. We couldn't decide on one person to give a slapping down to because a lot of people had done a lot of bad things that week. The entire square was basically bad. Yeah. The entire square. Everyone had done something wrong. So we've made a list and we're going to give a few people a slapping down. So here is our list of people. Ruby. Martin. Dottie. Peter. Mitch. Phil. Ian. Gray. And they're all getting a slapping down. It's time for our final again. Keep saying it, but it's true. Final ratings for a while. And as Mick was our hero of the week, we will be rating out of Mick's. We're going to give those episodes three Mick. I know. Sharon, Phil, Linda and Mick absolutely owned that week. There's no doubt about it. Those storylines owned the week. The rest of it just felt like they were added in as fillers and everything felt like a filler to me and I wasn't really invested in any of these love triangles or any of these parents, like movie, potty. I don't care. I'm with you. Like, I feel like every other story that wasn't Phil and the Vic and Sharon and everyone, every other story was a bit like, meh. Yeah, could have done without it. Let's be real, I would have much preferred to see Keegan's story back on the screen than Mitch v. Billy. (laughs) That to me is like a background story at best. It should not be in the forefront. It should just be like cash extra kind of things sprinkled into the episodes. Nah, not for me. And also, I just cannot abide movie and party. That is just all sorts of wrong. Send out the wrong messages to the world. And we had a gritty kiss. Blech. So for all those reasons, it's going to be a three from us. This week's episode is sponsored by Ruby's Ring. If you want to do some drug dealing, perhaps you just want to push some gas. Why don't you come to Ruby's Ring? We'll turn a blind eye. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.